back. Oh, we are. It's really, really hot. Oh, it's hot because and you were running around. Um, actually, I was not doing any running around. I've just literally been sitting here for the past like five minutes, and I'm really hot. It was five minutes because I felt like longer than that. Sitting here, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a skewed concept of time. You know, time is relative, friend. Well, hi. I'm first of all, I'm not your friend. <laughs> you are so my friend. Life. Hi, my everybody. I'm Jay. You're my best friend. Wait, who sings that? Oh, I'm Ray. <laughs> and this is he said. He said the podcast that makes shit go. Uh, hmm. You know, hmm. we're here. We're queer, and we're ready to be severe. Sometimes it's late, and sometimes it's on time. But guess what? We are always on the rhymes <laughs> yes ma'am but before we get started we wanted to remind you to rate review and subscribe to our podcast on all streaming services at he said he said pod we also are on all your social media at he said he said pod and if you want some more giggles throughout the week outside of our yes, podcast giggles. okay you can find we said sound off a he said he said Grew face Facebook group that will allow you to interact with all of our listeners across the world. Come on, giggles. Okay. <laughs> and um, as we have been saying, please don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. Yes, ma'am. The more people that you tell, the better it will be for all of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So I guess we should jump into Love It or Shade It. Wait, who do we say was going first? Is it me? Um, I'll go first because apparently yes. that's what I do around here. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't even well, know what that that's... means, but okay. okay. Well, okay. <laughs> so I have a Love It this week and it is oh, to love, love... you have a Love oh, It. Oh, well, listen, uh, I, last week I had a Love It too, so... <laughs> you've just been loving shit these days. Oh, I, I love been... that you love. Mm-hmm. You've been playing my nerves. <laughs> Like a whole fiddle, bitch. Oh, yes. Hey, diddle, diddle, diddle a cat and a fiddle. Fiddler on a roof, girl. Okay. That's that's your life. <laughs> you should get a t-shirt. I fiddle on the tittle, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but what is your love it? My love it is. Is your love it fiddling? <laughs> bitch, I don't got time for the fiddles. Okay. Um, My love it is actually for to the resurgence of season three of love after lockup it is back <laughs> anyone that knows us uh, knows that we have been following this through all the classic. seasons it's so good um this season is uh, you know i went into it with some um ner- as with every season mm-hmm. new <laughs> cast members i don't know how i feel about it but this first episode allowed me to know that this season will not disappoint. We have new mm-hmm. storylines, new twists. Right, so like you go into it doubting that they'll yes, be able to keep it But this season, I see that we're going to have twists and turns. Yes. We have people loving people that are getting out of lockup, that used to be in lockup, uh-uh. got eight kids, and they have, um, they are, this is, what's his name? John. He is half, um... Native American. Okay. Um, but he, oh, right. The he guy follows, who was like doing the stuff. He yeah, was he doing follows like rituals the stuff. rituals. Yeah. Um, his, and his, he has eight kids. He thought he had seven, but he miscounted. <laughs> um, he also went to jail um, and he's out. And um, they're all a little nervous. Um, then we have Jessica, who her sister disowned her four and a half years ago when she found out she was dating a man and then proceeded to get engaged to a man and then married to a man in mm-hmm. jail. Um, and I'm, I'm here for the storyline, especially the drive by in her mom's old car. Come on, Ford Focus. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, then we have Chevelle and Quaylon, I think his name is. Okay. And Chevelle, um, yes. she calls she, him Quaylon, but he calls himself girl. Quaylon, Chevelle used said. to be a rapper and she paid the producers $15,000 yes, and then nothing happened. And nothing happened. And now her mom talk about, she ain't not trying to have a repeat of that with her, this man that's been in jail for, um, for, 
I forget, 12 years. So all I know is, bitch, first episode, I looked over at Ray. No, and I think he had been in for seven years. The one time that I, my mouth was open was when John's um, woman, you know, she um, she said she wanted to suck his. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. and I, I was like, oh, my God, yeah, that was a lot because they put the words on the closed captioning on the screen. And then the other one, the, the stars, last but obviously. not least that I was shook if is when old dude never even met the woman. Um, what's her name? His name was Shane, I think, or Sean. I don't know. Any and he. um. Went to the bailman and the $50,000 what was due. And he said he was going to take a 401k loan for some bitch that he never <laughs> even knew. No, I think he had already taken 401k loan because he Girl. said he had already sent her $35,000 and he's like a mechanic or something. He's the general manager. Oh, is he a general manager? That's what it says the, on his little Well, thing. he did say that he didn't mind giving the money because he, he makes, makes a it. good living. But if you're dipping into your 401k, then that tells me that your living is not good enough for you to pay for the things that you feel Listen, are important. Listen, you never even met this bitch. Without dipping into your retirement savings. Listen, you never so even met this not, bitch. It's not quite and as And he'd been good married four saving. times. Yeah. And he was engaged. Child, it's just a lot. So It's pretty good. I'm, I'm ready say, for this season. Yeah, I'd say that I was also um, very into it. This first episode that debuted... Uh, it was, you know, funny in all the ways that the show is usually funny shook. and shocking in the ways that it usually is shocking. Um, wait, I thought there was one thing where we were like, wait, that's new. I think it was just the fact that so many of them had so many kids. The one had eight kids with their wife. The right. woman he thought was his soulmate. This was Sean. Mm-hmm. He thought it was his soulmate, but he realized it wasn't. But they had six kids. Yeah. And he said he there's something he hasn't told the girl in the jail. Yes, and we think the it's kids. the kids. But then he also is worried that she isn't. The, she doesn't look the she way said, that she looks. Because they never did video calls. And she said she, she put on a little, little weight. weight. Bitch, me too. <laughs> you ain't special. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I, I, I feel you. I, that's a good love it. Okay. Listen, I have quarantine cushion. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so my shade it is actually oh, to August Alsina. And mm. it is with regard to the song that he just put out mm. last this past weekend. What's it called? It's called Entanglements. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I can appreciate the humor that's in this, just knowing and like doing the research that we've done for the show and knowing like, you know, what happened, this doesn't necessarily feel like it's a good thing. Because no. on the one hand, it's like, okay, you know, we've gotten this all out into the open. Everyone's talked about it. Everyone's given their opinion. Um, so, you know, let's get to a point maybe where we can move on. Although I think this is one of those pop culture moments that will live on probably for decades. It where will. people will say entanglements and everyone will know exactly what you it mean. Will. Um, but I mean, just particularly and specifically related to what actually happened between these three people. I just think that it's it's kind of in poor taste. Um, but you, we will talk about it later. I mean, when I went through the lyrics and when I listened we'll to the talk song, about it later, I, mean, I have to say, I, like, I hate when you do a lot I, of shit. I can't. Story, well, I mean, well, let's do it now then. I mean, so I'm shading it. And yeah, well, my shade I think it. that I think this is what I'm gonna say, babe. No, okay. but we're gonna move into talking about the actual. Song. Oh, okay, cute, cute. Yeah, yeah. So okay. unfiltered and unbothered. Cute, bitch, cute. That was a cute little segue. <laughs> to love it or shade it, and um, we are talking about this song that literally just came out on Saturday night, 
Um, and it was highly anticipated because, you know, somehow it got out. It was leaked or whatever that this was going to be coming Rick out. Ross. And yes, it is August Alsina featuring Rick Ross. And the song is called Entanglement. And at first, listen, it sounds kind of like a Chris Brown song to me. Mm. Like, that's the vibe that I got was like, oh, I could totally hear Chris Brown singing this. Well, and he's been his I, fair share of entanglements. And I, he has. I can't stand Rick Ross. Uh, Rick R. Ross just sounds like he eats. Um, he raps when he's eating. He sounds like he needs an inhaler like on the side. Like, like I get nervous about his um his his, his levels yeah. of oxygen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, me too. And like I'm nervous. I just don't appreciate. You know, he used to be big, then he's small. That could have that could have damaged. But he Star still Jones. sounds the same. But he could, it could have damaged his Star Jones lungs. Star Jones. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I don't like Rick Ross. And that aside, when I actually went through his verse, I was just kind of like... It was all about Jada. It all was, the punchlines were about Jada. And, and Will's thrown in there. So, okay, I'll just... I'll, 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 I'll give it to you. So, Shawty leaning on my shoulder, got her questioning my willpower, jaded by her beauty, by her reputation, real solid. Morning down the hallway, I can tell you how I feel about it. Caught up in the matrix, and I doubt if I can get up out it. Mm-mm. Living like there's no tomorrow, Mm-mm. met your boy with our open arms. Tell you all my darkest stories. Promise that you won't depart. Mm-mm. Keys to over forty cars. Left me with a broken heart. Still, I gotta get around. Favorite artist was Tupac. Mm-mm. So it's I was just much. like, um, Okay, and at one point he says, "Entanglement is when a man will lick you until you tremble." Oh, girl, not tremble, tremble. <laughs> and aside from the thought of Rick Ross licking anything until it trembles, listen, really, really, uh, it, it I'm sure when he was of a certain size, that was the oh, only no. muscle that could move oh, as fast as he needed to move. Intestinal fortitude, like ew. But I just, when I was reading it, I was like, okay. So even though I don't like Rick Ross, I have to say that, like. This, the, this, this is something. Now, just, you know, full disclosure, mm. um, Rick Ross is the last credited writer, but I don't know if maybe that's just because he just wrote his, he just wrote his, his. verse, mm. or if maybe he didn't write all of his verse. I don't know. We'll take that as it is. But yeah, I, I don't know what you thought about the song, but. Well, here's my thoughts is why is it okay for Jada to, to win financially over an entanglement and not August Alsina? <laughs> so let that settle I knew in. you were gonna say that so why is it okay for her to have 30 plus million people watch a video of her basically saying that they had an entanglement mm-hmm. and 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 quote you know minimizing what it was mm-hmm. um for 15 minutes um and august alcina then is out here on the skirts looking like he was damaged like mm-hmm. he is damaged mm-hmm. like he is un- inst- unstable mm-hmm. like he and then he was used and he was used so mm-hmm. august has every right to be out here to you to leverage you know his his medium which is music yeah um and at the end of the day do i think that it's um in poor taste you know i don't think it's the classiest move mm-hmm. however i also don't think that you know sitting on on a at a table for 15 minutes saying that the reason why you were with this man the reason why you got with this man is because you were dam- you were look, looking to fulfill a, a need in your life this is jada mm-hmm. and then basically saying that you used him yeah and that was what you said so not to rehash last week's episode but i'm just right. saying that ultimately why not 
So, I mean, interesting that you bring that up because um, one of the other uh, lines of the song that was actually August that caught my attention was, um, I'm being honest, baby, don't want no strings attached. Um, You just want a nigga that's going to break your back. Mm. I'm half? No, I ain't about to play with that. You left your man to fuck with me just to pay him back. Mm. Don't you know that's cold hearted? So now I'm like... Interestingly enough, the narrative before was that you had permission, mm-hmm. and then now this kind of suggests that maybe they were doing it behind his back, right? However, and, and not comma, only that, and not only that, that this all came about because of maybe something Will did mm-hmm. that actually made Jada feel like she needed to get him back. Um, and then he also, um, there's a whole third verse where he there's implies, verses. yeah, there's a whole third verse Girl, where it's not the Bible, where Alcina <laughs> implies that, um, he will come over when he, meaning I'm thinking will leaves and that will that he, which I, again, I'm th- thinking mm-hmm. is will that he be tripping be- when he sees me because he thinks that we're fucking. So I'm like, well, what, what is true? But then I'm like, also how much of this song is true? How much of, of it is creative license? And then again, when I look at a list of six writers and August Alcina is five and Rick Ross is six, I'm like, you have all these other people who are involved who stories. are not even like a part of it. So Girl, it's just very know, interesting. And, and also just from what you were saying, um, I'm not saying he didn't have a right to make the song. I'm just saying that again, I think there's some poor taste and it's just like, why at this point? I mean, it's he's only, be- he's only gonna um, benefit from it. Um, so much. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if it becomes an actual hit. I doubt it. I mean, I don't see it anywhere on the iTunes chart. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's my thing where I'm just like, so I mean, it's, it's not going to be, it's <laughs> definitely not going to be, um, the big Sean, I don't fuck with you type of moment. No, it's not. Thankfully. So, Gosh, we don't need another know. one of those. But yeah, so I, that, it just made me wonder. Um, I am still shading it. This isn't something that I needed in my life, even though. You know, once I got into it, I was like, oh, wow, this this is really kind of fucked up. Um, But yeah. So moving on from one red faced Uber celebrity to another. Ellen DeGeneres has found. Yeah, like embarrassed. Oh, yeah. What did you think? I of didn't it? know, bitch. Oh, Lord. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, from one embarrassed celebrity to another. Just, well, we have actually talked about Ellen's kind of like um, troubles, if for lack of a better term, that she's been having this Alleged. year with her show. Um, you know, just issues with people on her cast, um, you know, and just, you know, this whole um, idea of, of this duality and personality that she has where she's not quite as nice as maybe she seems on the Girl, show. The, 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 um, the what? I don't even know, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the black mirror of it all. Okay. Isn't um, what it's called? Isn't black, isn't, isn't no, never mind. Go ahead. So, um, that gin it, and juice, bitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're done. Oh okay. No, no wonder why you're not coherent. Um, so coherent. <laughs> give me the black face. What is it called? The black. red face. <laughs> give me the red face. Tell me about the red face, girl. So, executive producers um, of the Ellen DeGeneres show have been called out by mostly former, but then I think also one current staff member for um, what is being referred to as a toxic work environment. Um, and more specifically, um, a racially toxic work environment. Mm. Um, so um, BuzzFeed News actually had 10 uh, former Ellen staffers. Um, and then again, like I said before, one current employee who have said that they felt intimidated 
um, and were also fearful of their superiors um, at the show. Um, so some said that they were reprimanded for taking leave and bereavement mm-hmm. days. Um, another is quoted as saying that I think it is a lot of smoke and mirrors when Ooh. it comes to the show's brand. They pull on people's heartstrings. They do know that's going to get likes and what people are going to go for, which is a positive message. But that's not always reality. Mm. Mm. So um, to be clear, most of the criticisms are being um, directed toward toward executive producers and the senior managers and not Ellen herself. Well, the but she runs the said, show. If Ellen wants to be, she said, and I, they said, and mm-hmm. I quote, if Ellen wants to wants to have her show and have her name on it, then she needs to be more involved in what's going on. So that's what the former employee no, I totally said. Agree with that. Listen, the, the fish things from the head, girl. Ooh, come on, it does. So come on, find Nemo. <laughs> that's a real good little segue into her creative culture. Uh uh-uh. uh But I mean, over they the show's been on for almost two decades. Wow, and they've had th- almost three thousand episodes. It hasn't so, seemed like it's been that long. And from what I read is that it employs over a thousand um, staff members mm-hmm. and. Um, as you mentioned, various people have come out in this BuzzFeed News article, and there actually was one, the article or conversation with an, um, a current employee back in May about mm-hmm. this. So it's it's basically, you know, I, don't, I think that um, what's interesting about what's going on with this story is that this likely happens at a lot. Of Hollywood, oh for sure, creative moments. I mean, there's for microaggressions sure. that have happened that yeah. were recounted. For instance, someone said that her senior level producer told her another black employee, "Oh, now you have both have black, both have box braids. I hope we don't get you confused." Mm-hmm. And then, because that's know, funny, you know, there was this offensive using things like um, your spirit anim- animal or calling um, the colleagues that would say, "Hey, like that's not okay." The PC police, mm-hmm. like. There are various ways and, and recounts of how these this experience is toxic, and it's toxic for everyone, right? Not just the person that's coming out and saying something. So, but what it also goes to show you is that um, there are levels to racism, there, there are levels is. to prejudice, there are levels to discrimination. It's not always going to be an in your face, mm-hmm. someone calling someone the N word, mm-hmm. or someone being fired because of you know the color of their skin. Sometimes it is subtle, you know, like what you're speaking about, these microaggressions where there are just comments that are made that make people feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And there are comments related to race and racial stereotypes that, you know, create that type of a toxic environment. And I think that it's just really important for, um, you know, when these things are brought to management, for management to actually do something about it. Because Mm -hmm. that was the thing where the person said when they brought it up, you know, to their white male boss that he would bring up some random story about how his... His black friend, you know, and how they had managed to get over stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he's minimizing their experience and then, um, you know, setting in, you know, or digging in his his heels and not even being willing to change. Mm-hmm. You know, once this is actually being brought to his attention. And the fact that, you know, I don't know if you read Ray, but there was actually a, a former employee that said that they actually went into um they were seeking um, help for, you know, mental illness and they went and they um, went on a short term leave to go to get treatment. Mm-hmm. They came back shortly after their, they were notified their job was eliminated. Mm-hmm. So they weren't fired. They were laid off. Right. Um, 
So it's it, what the long and the short of it all is that this show has been around for a while. This isn't the first time that we've even talked about um, Ellen's show being a toxic environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's being shown and, and the narrative is it's being, to- it's toxic for people of color. Yeah. Which exactly. is a new narrative. Exactly. Which in the current climate is a type of a narrative that can, um, get a lot of people in a lot of trouble. Listen, I mean, um, that, listen. We and don't... that's the thing where it's like, so now that this is, you know, out in the press, it's like, okay, even though no one's saying that Ellen has been, you know, directly involved in but anything. But she hasn't said anything. It, and it is up to her to make sure that her show creates an environment, you know, that's more aligned with what we see when we tune in every day mm-hmm. um, behind the scenes. And that's my thing. So, you know, they released a statement, talked about all the episodes and, you know, but how they're heartbroken to learn that even one person in the production family has had a negative experience. And for the record, day-to-day responsibility of the show is completely on them. So please, you know, I love words. Everyone knows that I love words, but I really, really, Girl. really, especially in this type of an environment and space, prefer action. So let's hope that they're going to actually Girl, don't I know it. What I say is sorry yes. is, is better said and change behavior. This is very true. Ooh, come on. Here you go trying to shade me. That's Listen, fine. I could be a therapist <laughs> in these streets. You're trying to shade me about my time management issues. Okay? That's your problem. I'm working on it. Okay. okay. But that's different than racial microaggressions. Let's just be clear about Well, that. speaking of... Of working on it, Monique. Oh gosh. So Monique, you uh, may remember Monique from a 2009 movie um, called Precious. Not a 2009 movie. Or an early 2000 TV show called The Parkers. Or her talk show that she had on BET. A brief 2010, but she, but she had 2011, a talk 2012 talk show. talk show. She's done a lot. Let's she not, has let's done not a lot, but I'm, I'm going to get to my conversation <laughs> when I get to that. <laughs> yes, so sir. Go on. I'm sorry. We go talked on. about Monique until the lemon was dry. Um, uh, think last year, maybe even two years ago, because this lawsuit was given to her, um, Netflix in 2017, 2018. Because mm-hmm. um, we've been around since then. Yes, girl, we're ancient. <laughs> um, well... It has been said that um, Monique can move forward with her discrimination discrimination suit against right. Netflix. So yeah. to keep you up to what's happening, Monique, whose legal name was Monique Hicks, honey, mm, okay. she filed a race and sexual discrimination suit against the streaming service back in November, so last year. She alleged that Netflix broke the law when it gave her a low-ball offer for the comedy, the comedy special in 2018 that they were trying to have with her. Mm-hmm. Monique, according to her, she was offered only 500000 for the special, while Amy Schumer was offered $11 million. Dave Chappelle and Rick and Rick Ross, <laughs> Chris Rock, were both offered $20 million. So mm-hmm. the U.S. District Judge Andre Jr., I don't know what his last name is. Child. Barote or there Barote, you go. Thank yeah. you. Uh-huh. Argued that the Netflix failure to negotiate an opening offer with Monique, as customary in the in the industry, makes her discrimination claim viable. Right. So, so to be clear, Netflix. What Netflix was trying to do was they were trying to get the whole case thrown out. Yes. Um, and and, it was the, and this was a this was a judgment related to their motion to have the whole case thrown out. So here is my thoughts about. I'm just going to recount very briefly my position. Okay. Are you ready, Ray? Yeah. Ooh, always are you, ready. Are you at the edge of your seat? Oh, can't you tell? Oh, come on. Don't hurt your back. <laughs> so Monique is someone that 
the larger community of consumers know her from one body of work. Mm -hmm. And that is Precious. You know, she was, she has done a lot. Her name has been known. So, so I, not, 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 yeah, I am cutting you off. So, I just Come want on, clarification. So, are we talking about a white audience or the larger, yeah, like middle, middle America? Let's call it what it is. So, white, white consumers. Yeah. After know reading her. White Fragility, <laughs> sidebar, after reading, reading White Fragility, I think that we need to get, we need to move into a space where oh, we on, on, are readily <laughs> willing to call things great. What so white are. people know yes. her from so white, from the white precious. audience. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. And I mean, I love the bitch when she was on. I know, the but we, we, we put you in a separate. Don't category. put me in a separate. I'm Caucasian. You that are, but, but we put you in However, a separate comma, category. The collective yes. community of Caucasity yes. uh-huh. only know her from <laughs> Precious. <laughs> right. And she won 58 of 82 awards that she was nominated for, for that body of work. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember, Monique has shared and recounted that she was blackballed post, mm-hmm. um, which I don't like that term. She was, yeah, exactly. she was ultimately put on a l- short list of people to ignore mm-hmm. and to not work with. Right. Because she did not show up for the Cannes Festival or do, the, do a lot of press for And she international blames press. the black people for that instead Correct. of anyone else. She blames Lee Daniels and Oprah. Instead of her husband. Yeah. Who manages her, who right. told her that she should get more money, which again, Precious was her first big time mm-hmm. movie in regards to critically acclaimed body of work. Right. So here's my thought about this is that she is saying that Netflix lacks diversity and, um, you know, it has 9% of its workforce and very small, small percentage of their senior leadership is of color. You know, I think that what Monique needs to realize is that what she, what she thinks she was worth versus what they offered her, you know, may be different. But mm-hmm. what I haven't heard through this story is what she countered. Mm-hmm. So for me, I have difficulty following and, and um, backing Monique because the story is what they offered. Mm-hmm. The story stops at that and never shares what she countered or what she thought her worth was. Well, I mean, what I read is that they said that the offer was 500000 for the special and that Netflix refused to negotiate the pay any further. Oh, so then... So I think that what, and this was in what year again? It was like 2016, 2017, probably the negotiation happened yeah. because the special was in 2018. Yeah. This was nine years after she was done Precious. She hadn't done much afterwards. Mm-hmm. So she, her, her, her star buzz um, had fizzed. And also she was not known for her comedic play. She mm-hmm. was known for her acting. Mm-hmm. So I believe Netflix gave her what they felt that she was worth. However, mm-hmm. I do think she was worth she is worth more than five hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to discount that. But what I'm going to say is that she has to remind herself the arc of her career. Yeah, and what where she kind of blew up. Yeah, and what what medium she was doing versus what she you know has done in the past. I have mixed feelings about this because I'm no like huge rah rah rah. Let's all rally behind Monique because I feel like Monique is. She's problematic for like a lot of different reasons that I'm not even going to go into right now. Um, But I do see her point um, because she's not the only black female. And and let's be clear, this is what she's alleging. She's talking about what Netflix offers black women Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're offering the Eddie Murphy's and the Dave Chappelle's. But she offered Wanda Sykes and look, um, what's her name? Also got a a special. Um, Right. She read either. Right. But but they're not getting 
And the whole point of this is that they're not getting the money that these other people are getting. And arguably, if we're if we're going to say, okay, well, the reason that Monique didn't get the money is because of her relevancy, which I think is the point you were trying to make. Well, then we're not trying. We don't we don't know because um, uh, uh, what the hell? Now I'm trying to remember her name. You said she ready, but um, Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. So when Tiffany Haddish, <laughs> she didn't actually. I don't believe it's been printed what she actually got. Mm-hmm. But it it was pretty obvious that she also didn't get a ton of money for her special. She didn't either. get eleven million. Exactly. If she even got one million, and it's like so. I I again I have mixed feelings because I think that there is a discrimination that's going on here. Um, with she regard to, to she was to black worth females more five, than five hundred thousand, right? And what she's saying is that black females are being offered less than any other group um, in you know this comedian or comedic cohort. So I mean, great, fine, sure, let, you know, let her have her day in court, and we'll see what comes out. But you know, I would actually not be surprised if she actually wins her lawsuit because. If, if you wonder, can prove that that this is a pattern of behavior with Netflix, then that's how you would ring, how you would win your suit. But then I wonder, like, what is what does she want out of all of this? You know, like for me, I feel like yes, vindication she, and money. But then ultimately, you just you she went has went on various news media outlets, her podcast, you know, her Twitter account, her Facebook, her Instagram. But she might even said at the grocery store, dogging these elite black creatives. About how they weren't with her and they weren't mm-hmm. supporting her, and she, she didn't. She this that and the Oprah, to, uh, Tyler Perry, mm-hmm. just to name Lee Daniels, and it's like, what are you looking to get out of it? If then the creatives that could hire you mm-hmm. to continue working, you are you're damaging that relationship because you feel like they weren't with you when they were just trying to guide you through the politics of. Of an industry that you were ba- basically being pushed up as this forefront actress. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those are separate things. So, I think that, you know, her relationship with the the um, the black luminaries that she mm-hmm. loves to, you know, drag their name through the mud is one thing. This lawsuit is something else entirely. So, I think that what she's looking for out of this lawsuit is A... Actually, I don't know. I'm going to put them on equal footing. She wants Come on equal footing. money. Because I'm going to tell you right now, she and her husband, it's clear that they want money. And then secondarily, I think that what she's looking for is vindication because she wants the press to then just be like, oh, Monique won her lawsuit. So that that means she was right and everyone else was wrong. You know, I feel like she loved to be right. (laughs) All right. So moving on to another um, TV related story. Um, more positive yeah so Ava DuVernay um, you may know her from her critically acclaimed works on the big screen middle of nowhere and Selma um, among others as well as her uh, again critically acclaimed television um, experiences and and series um, 13th and when they see us so you know we're talking about someone who does really really top-notch work um, we won't talk about a wrinkle in time um, but (laughs) but no shade Ava, we love you. Um, but NBC has ordered uh, an unscripted series from Ava DuVernay entitled Home Sweet Home. Um, and in this 10-episode, hour-long series, two families who lead different lives will go through a kind of cultural swap. So I guess it's kind of like wife swap, uh, but it's it. more like life swap. 
I said, come on, wife swap. <laughs> no, come remove on. the W with your <laughs> yeah, L. So it's a life swap. Um, so, you know, in the way that, that this was written was the show chronicles walking a mile in another person's shoes by challenging racial, religious, religious, economic, geographic, gender, and identity assumptions as participants exchange homes for a week and experience the life of someone unlike them. I'm ready for this wife, the life swap, bitch. I'm here for it because I feel like it's like. Have you, you watched Wife Wife Swap? I mean, watched casually, is a strong word. You're a casual watcher. Mm, I've seen clips. Like with the little boy? Yeah, I've seen, I saw the clips with the little boy and I've seen clips of other We episodes. eat bacon. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was not a shining moment in TV history. I mean, we're still talking about it. So, and Ava, she got inspired. Yeah, but we're, so. talk, yeah, we're talking about it. Yeah, just, well, that's true. I guess it's, it's kind of inspiration for this. I mean, are you so going to So some good this? can come of it. I, oh, I would definitely at least try it. Um, I mean, she said that the idea of it um, is, um, you know, that we are um, farther, more so alike. we are farther apart oh. than ever yet bound by what we have in common. So, you know, mm. health, safety, justice, and community. Um, and, you know, essentially what she wants to show, you know, not to be a cliche, but is that, you know, even though we're different, that we're a lot more alike than we think. So it's an interesting, they're calling it a social experiment. So I'm it is, intrigued by it. I'm intrigued by it as well. And it's Ava DuVernay. So it's like anything Ava does, like I will at least try it, like sample it. I'm intrigued that it's also on NBC. Yeah, no, that's a good thing that it's on NBC and not like you Netflix, know, you know. Yeah. Although I mean, Netflix is a really far reach, but you know, again, to reach this white audience that mm-hmm. we were talking about before with Monique, like it's good that it's on a network. I to think reach it's this good white audience network, network that like may NBC. not have cable and they have little right. rabbit ears right. to watch television. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I'm not gonna hustle because bitch, I have rabbit oh ears too. Gosh. Bitch, you can call me Thumper. Okay, all right. So be on Speaking the lookout for Thumpered. that. <laughs> so CBS, bitch, NBC, CBS. We talk about all the networks today that have rabbit ears. So CBS, they have a pledged. They have a pledged. Oh, yes, a they pledged. Have, is that a word? No, you just made that up. Come on. I'm not, okay with it. sounds educated, Yes, though. a pledged. <laughs> I am on. a pledged. I am a pledged individual. <laughs> well, CBS, they have allocated 25% of their development budget to projects that are created by uh, people of color. Um, specifically in the 2021 and 2022 development. Correct. Season. So that's yes. a whole 511. Yes, because they're already, because we'll, they're already in the, that's the when we'll be able to be outside. So yeah. why Which not? Good. Yeah. 25% is actually much higher than what people are asking for. They're asking for 15%. That's been like a number mm-hmm. that's been thrown out there for a lot of industries. Yes. So according to the press release, CBS intends to allocate at minimum 25% of its future script development budgets to projects created or co-created by black people, indigenous people, and people of color. Have you ever heard that term before? That by POC, uh-huh. B-I-P-O-C? big thing right now. That was new for me. It's a big thing that's going, especially in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Um, it's become this new diversity term. Um, and it is to be more prescriptive about, instead of saying people of color, mm-hmm. this allows you to be more prescriptive to the, to the marginalized community you're talking about. No, I, I, you, I like it because it, it, you know, I mean, self-servingly, but it puts black first. So yeah, but yeah. it also, it, what it also does it is spells it spells it out. Yes. And, and it, it separates also, groups so that you're not lumping a Asian whole bunch of different yeah, or other communities together. that may yeah. skew results. No, I love However, that. CBS 
also said it sets target their white their writer oh my god this look the white writers room <laughs> yes you got that right the writers room because it's <laughs> it's been when this study it said 90 percent of i'm sorry it said that at a minimum 40 percent of the writers will be represented by the um by poc mm-hmm. um and it would be in the 2022, so that's what you said, yeah. which is great. And this will be also to increase that number by 50% the following year. Mm-hmm. So they are really trying to diversify. In addition, they had said that um, they, CBS, feel like it's time for them to um, to look at their the writers, specifically because they only represent 4% of um, the total writing staff. That is woefully low. Which is crazy. That that, 3, ex- that explains the current state of, and of television. And then what really was like, oh my gosh, was that um, a lot of these shows are run by white showrunners. Mm-hmm. At the time, 90% of the shows were run by white people, and the needle has not moved very far um, since this this study was was um, done, which was I think last year, so ultimately, what's interesting about how when you think about the people that are on CBS, you think of all the shows that they have, right? I'm thinking of when I I mean I don't watch any CBS. You watch any CBS shows? You know the answer to that question, bitch. Because I know I don't. Cause it's a CBS, bunch of procedurals. It's for like people. So it's like who are um, like over Shamar Moore was on SWAT. Then there was a neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer, and then there was. Um, there were various things that I'm just like, girl, I never even heard of this. Procedurals and sitcoms that just do not interest me in any So way. it basically what they realize is that it continues a pattern of placing actors of color, color in mm-hmm. supporting positions mm-hmm. to white leads. Which is what they do. So what they're, they're realizing Although I think they gave pledge, Shamar his own show at some They did, point. I yeah. think. But what they're saying is through this analysis, they realize they have some work to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm here for this. You know, I've never been a CBS fan. I don't even know the last show I watched on CBS. I used to watch CBS way back when I, when I watched like CSI and stuff. Last like time that. I watched CBS is when they hosted the Grammys. So mm-hmm. that's the no. last one. <laughs> I've completely moved away from like procedurals as like one of my like TV shows that I'm interested in. I'm just not really interested. I don't in, need pro- you like in that format anymore. But you like when they like, oh bitch, can you take off this little big old thing on my that's face? That's not a procedural. A procedural uh, drama is like I'm thinking like CSI. procedures. Bitch. I need to get procedure no, no, no. done. CSI, ER, um, NYPD Blue. Oh, so those like are that those are procedurals, oh, and I'm not get, into nah, those. I'm and done. I know you're not either. But I actually think that this is um, really great. It's, it's a great bold. start. Um, and you know, the, the quote that that they had was, "While steady progress has been made in recent years, both in front of and behind the camera, change needs to happen faster, especially with creators and leadership mm-hmm. roles on the shows." As a network with ambitions to be a unifier and an agent of change at this important time, these new initiatives will help accelerate efforts to broaden our storytelling and make CBS programming even more diverse and inclusive. So, yeah, I and that's the thing where it's like, you know. This whole idea of diversity and inclusion, and you definitely know. I don't know. It's so much easier for you to just look at numbers and statistics Mm -hmm. and not actually be able to see a broader picture. Mm -hmm. So it's like just because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, our shows are diverse to your point. But what does that diversity look like? How many black people are actually the leads on these shows? Mm -hmm. How many black people are you actually having in the writer's room or producing or executive producing or running shows like that? That's where you really get into equity and not just inclusion. When you peel back the layers, bitch, sometimes the onion stinks. It stinks and your eyes water. 
somewhere. Come okay? on, let it rain. Clear it's it just, out. It's tears. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's just like, that's the thing that I feel like this type of statement seems to, to understand that and understand that that dynamic is important. And it's not just, well, how many black people do you have who work for you? No, it's how many black people do you have to work for you? But also how, where are they? Where are they in the hierarchy of your Mm -hmm. company? How much power do these people have? And they're not just black people, but people of all races, but you know, I'm black. So, but in this case, I think it just, it's tells a story about when you think about who goes to the movies, Mm -hmm. right? Who, and then what narratives and stories are shown in the movies and mm-hmm. who watches television and what narratives and stories are told in the television. And, mm-hmm. oh, if it's a black story, it can only be on this network. And right. if it's a black creative and head of and, and, you know, executive producer, like we'll say Lena Waithe, she can only have it on this channel BET. or right. Showtime. So it's like premium. Right. You know, why can't she lead a channel? Why can't she why can't she be a lead actress or run a show on cbs or exactly NBC or ABC. exactly and like, that's just like you know um because we do have some black showrunners we have kenya barris we have um shonda rhimes you know we but they are few and far between few, it's like there's more white than there is right other. exactly so it's like we need to see you, more of that mm-hmm. and to your point because when the stories are told from these different perspectives that's where mm-hmm. we really will i well i hope we'll start to see more changes in society mm-hmm. because let's be clear Popular culture, movies, music, um, TV, these are the things that shape the broader culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what and let's be honest, black culture has been the forefront of all stuff. Oh, for sure. But not always in the most um, positive, way. positive way. And and that's not to say that everything about pop- black culture is positive. But when you have fewer representations and they're all negative, mm-hmm. then the narrative, you know, outside of the entertainment industry and a broader culture becomes that black culture is negative, even though black culture, we already know, really is an arbiter mm-hmm. of the broader culture. Well, bitch, you know, at the end of the day, these stories need to be told. Yes. <laughs> and we need to be equitable about how, and a lot of this is, it goes, I'm probably going to mess it up because I've been drinking. Mm-mm. There's a book that I read and there were the four E's. Ready? Okay. Oh boy. Exposure. I don't know. Should you be doing this if you Exposure. don't know? Exposure. You didn't write any notes down? Notes no. are good. Exposure. Notes are really good. Education. Okay. Experience. Okay. And empathy. Okay. Those are the four E's that you need to invest in your life in order to see people that are not like you. Yeah. So following those four E's allow you to. So CBS needs to follow those four E's and let people show up and show out yeah. and sh- and tell stories that they may be that may they might be able to provide really great um, storylines for shows that are with white actors. Yeah. And they might be able to bring race to be more um, of a conversation or depending on the topic in the show, obviously, but and we've, and we've talked to... about that before where that's always for me. Um, you know, I try to explain to people that exposure is actually, in my opinion, one of the most important pieces of that mm-hmm. because what you're not exposed to then is shaped by the media Absolutely. because you're not exposed in your real life. So these images that you see are your exposure. So, so yeah. yeah, for sure. All right. So we are going to take a break and we will come back with we have to talk about that Wayfair sex mm. trafficking allegation story, which is fucking absurd, um, as well as Annie Leibovitz and Nick Cannon. So we will be right back. Yes, ma'am. 
Music can be healing. So here at He Said, He Said, we've decided to create some intimate playlists to get you through the week. We have playlists like our Top 40, which is everything on the charts that we love. Pure Pop Perfection, which is Ray's favorite. Enough, which is our protest playlist to get you through what's happening to also inspire you for change. Shuffle and Repeat, 90s and 2000s hip-hop and R&B, and The Gospel Truth, which is perfect to listen to when you're making your Sunday brunch. So be sure to follow each playlist, listen, and share to all of your friends who love music. Find your way back. Yes. Come on, we back. Oh, I cannot wait for Black is King. Mm. Black is King right now is like the most important thing on my calendar. (laughs) The most important thing on my calendar is dinner, bitch. Oh my gosh. That sounds about right for you. That sounds on brand for you. Um, So um, also speaking of brands, uh, we had to talk about this story, and I don't even want to go like too deep into because it's a, a rabbit hole. But it's all rabbit edge. hole research, as oh, Jay come said. Come on, last that's week. what it is. Come on, Thumper. So we don't <laughs> necessarily want to do that. But you may have heard this really bizarre story about Wayfair, which is the um, online company that sells furniture. They sell everything and, from and, IKEA. Well, home furnishings, I should say, home goods. Exactly. Um, well, they have been caught up in the, these allegations that they are actually running, um, or involved in some type of a sex trafficking ring, which really is just about as crazy as it sounds. So, um, in, you know, this month, earlier this month, um, some social media users started accusing Wayfair of, um, using their online furniture store, um, to traffic children. This just was like, what? So the rumor appears to have originated um, early in the On month. Instagram? Um, no, it was actually um, in Reddit, which I don't do Reddit. I don't do Reddit either. Maybe I should. we should do Reddit more well, often. I don't know. It doesn't sound like I need to do Reddit. Because Reddit sounds like it's just a forum for people to talk shit. It, it's, it does. It sounds like a forum for people to just Which is basically our podcast. Their, their <laughs> no, but spout not only their opinions, but baseless claims. Oh, we ain't, we're not which we don't do baseless we got claims. Okay, exactly. Off based off of research. Okay, um, but yeah, essentially, without any evidence other than um, inflated prices on the site for certain items like cabinets. So, for instance, there were these cabinets that were priced at more than ten thousand dollars. Pillows, too. pillows. Would, you know, yeah. I said such as. So, yeah, there were multiple like items that for how much were, though. That were priced um, the thousands, exorbitantly. Right? Yeah, if like you will. nine thousand for the one thing, and like four thousand yeah. for yeah, the pillows. So, like the, so, like I said, like the cabinets were ten thousand dollars. That's crazy. Um, so what again, kind of there cabinet? was no evidence. But then, of course, when you with these conspiracy theories, it starts with a grain of truth because yes, the cabinets were priced at ten thousand dollars. But it wasn't because they are trafficking kids. I don't really know why it was, but um, I know they that said it was steel. Bitch. I know they came out and said they were industrial or professional grade mm-hmm. cabinets, which is like okay, great, whatever. Show me the, the like model, so <laughs> I know what it is. But there was there were also these claims of um, if you do the skew numbers, then it will link you to these pictures, and it was like, wait, what? And on top of Did that, try? they were no, I didn't try, but um, Snopes. So for anyone who doesn't listen right regularly, Snopes.com, S-N-O-P-E-S.com yes, is Snopes. a great place to go if you want to um, look into the validity of conspiracy theories mm. and things that you see online. Come on. And they actually debunked this. They said there is there is no proof that this is a thing. Um, if you do those SKUs, um, apparently the prefix to the SKUs 
has to do with some Russian company. Mm. So it will always create those types of search results because this Russian company has something to do with child porn. It was just really weird, but they said basically that it's a coincidence. Snopes said that this was a coincidence. I mean, I have, we've never bought, actually we bought one thing. Mm -hmm. We have a rug in our living room that came from Wayfair. And the thing behind you, the liquor cabinet thing. Oh, was awesome. that from Wayfair? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But that. you know what? It's cute because we haven't bought anything since then. But I just, you know, I haven't. I mean, the thing about Wayfair, Wayfair is like Amazon. It has everything. Everything. Bitch. And some of the stuff is really priced really well because, like, the rug. Um, it was priced decently. Was yeah. priced very well. So I mean, it, this is just one of those things where the thing with internet conspiracy theories is that they normally will have grains of truth, just mm-hmm. enough. To make you wonder if maybe it's true. Isn't because I have Trump? to admit. That's Trump. Yes. I mean, well, uh, I don't know. Grains of truth. I don't know if Trump has any grains of truth. He well, just he got makes, grains. He makes things out of whole cloth. But, he has lentils. <laughs> but it's like there's just enough truth involved in it um, that it makes you question, like, maybe this could be true. Um, the other thing was that they kept saying that. If you looked at the names of these pro- products mm-hmm, that were mm-hmm. overpriced, that they lined up with names of children and people who had been gone, who had gone and missing. People were like, "Bitch, I'm, I'm, I'm found." <laughs> you saw that? The one girl was like, "I'm yeah. found." Like, yeah. I'm irritated because I've been found. That, and then there was another person who, um, when when they looked into it, they said that this person, even though they that they were found deceased, unfortunately, that. It was already a solved, if you will, case. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, a lot I, of coincidences. Bring this is up just to it, yes. Bring this that up just right, to debunk this ridiculous rumor. Just add this to the five G that's making everybody sick instead of coronavirus and all these other. Crazy Listen, people are out in these streets shit. trying to redo their house because all they can bat do is shit nuts. They can't go to the club, so they're trying to make a club in the living room. So. And it's like child trafficking is like the new fucking Salem witch hunt. You know, Ooh, it's like all these celebrities that, you know, the right wing, you know, and these crazy QAnon people look it up or don't look it up. You probably Q-Anon. shouldn't. They have all these theories. Poor Chrissy Teigen was on a fucking um, rampage on Twitter this past week where she was time. deleting tens of thousands of her tweets she said a million people. and also blocking a million people because of these rumors about you know sex trafficking it's not a fucking joke it's serious this is the type of thing that can ruin a company or ruin someone's career um so i would just say that you know with these conspiracy theories we have to make sure that we're vigilant if we're even thinking that Come maybe they're true vigilancy. that we need to you know get into our little rabbit hole research and figure out what's thumper true is what's around <laughs> thumper is around speaking yes. of thumper <laughs> So Vogue has um, come out in these streets and they have given us a new cover with um, Simone Biles, who, if you don't remember who she is, she is in these streets setting history, making history, black giving us girl or black woman magic. Girl. And she is out in these streets yes. winning all the medals in the Olympics. Yes. She's a she's a fucking real life superhero in my book. Um, and she was photographed. It was supposed to be obviously a part of the Olympic story because they were supposed to be happening this summer and they were pushed postponed until next summer due to Rona. Oh, that's a good um, point that I it didn't even dawn on me. So it was obviously all planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been met with very, very, very critical response. Yes. So Vogue magazine has faced criticism over the recent months about um, various topics. And this one, it really was about their recent um, covering, as I mentioned, with her. And the reason why it's becoming such a topic is because 
to level set you vogue in the 125 plus years that it's ever that it's been around it has only has has had one photographer to shoot the cover that was of color that was black mm-hmm. and that was actually due to beyonce yes um as we reported when she did september issue last year that um she oh my god was that last year mm-hmm that feels like it was like five years ago. Also, just a level set. Ivy Park yes. with Adidas launched yes. this year. You know what? I can't. Just was to that give January you, or February? It was February. Just to give you a state of time. <laughs> You're welcome. So the photographers uh, that did this shoot, the photographer was Annie Leibovitz, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. She has been known. She's a very, very um, well-known photographer. She's very. done a lot She's an of, iconic She And she's really great at her job. She's yes. photographed some yes. really powerful um, pictures, some really artistic pictures. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot with Vanity Fair. She likes, and it's interesting when I was trying to describe her style of photography, photography someone actually said it really great. Mm-hmm. Um, she likes to capture her, the, her subject in a very cinematic way, mm-hmm. in a very dramatic, very, the lighting feels very, um, it, always, it has a certain, she has a certain um, stamp that is her. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like when you look at her body of work, when you go on her website and you see her, um, her portfolio, majority of her subjects are not of color. So mm-hmm. why this was been met with a lot Which of controversy. Which makes sense because any, many, you know, just because of racism, let's just say, call it what it is and white supremacy. Um, it would be that she would be mainly shooting white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Annie, you know, she, She's not ver- she's not great at mm. photographing darker skin, um, mm. and that is also shown in her portfolio. She has some that she mm-hmm. has done, um, and those people that you may know is like Venus and Serena Williams. She's done um, Viola Davis. She's done um, various other people. But the why this is being met with controversy is because the one photo, actually all the photographs, mm-hmm. many of the photographs are actually being questioned. And I believe there were like five photographs that I saw. Is that how she, how she shot it was dimly lit. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't shot highlighting yeah. um, a lot of beauty of her subjects. Mm-hmm. And I say subjects, it also her family. Yeah, Simone's one of the pictures family. was her, her like her whole family was so in it. So, it's not just Simone and right. I'm not, we're not saying in this whole entire conversation that Simone is not gorgeous cuz she is. Mm-hmm. We're also not saying that Simone's not gorgeous in her natural state because she is. Mm-hmm. But what we're saying is that when you are working for a Vogue magazine, which is, let's just call what it is, a fashion magazine, Indeed. that is to drive revenue to the brands that they are featuring to inspire people to shop um, and also to inspire people to learn more about their subject, in this case, Simone, the images just felt um, a little too artistic um, for the general consumer. Mm-hmm. I love that we can give Annie her her grain of um I don't even know but grain of salt what I don't even know if that's what I want to say bitch but we can give her her creative license and say <laughs> you know what she was trying to do such uh-huh. because she was trying to give us a moment give us a mood and provide us some new vibes for Vogue magazine however common in this climate mm-hmm. I felt like it was not timely so what were your thoughts and then I yeah. had some other things so yeah um. <laughs> A few things on this. So I think where I want to begin is just in a kind of subjective 
um, you know, viewing of the photos themselves. As mm-hmm. you said, there's a cover shot. Um, well, you didn't say there was cover shot, but there are multiple well, shots. I mean, she including, was a subject for the primary cover. Yeah, so. there's including a cover shot. There's a shot of her with her family. There's a shot where she's like kicking her leg up Come on, in legs. the air. Um, and there's the shot in particular that I think people took umbrage with, which is the one where she's in like this kind of really editorial. Um, I don't know if it's just a top or gown. what it is. Um, um, and then there's another picture where she's like in midair where she's like taking a leap. Um, so looking at all these pictures, I had the very same reaction, which is mm. that they're washed out. Mm. And the interesting thing about that is that I think that for a lot of people, they don't even really think of an idea of a photo of a black person being mm. washed out. Yeah, because it's not a term that I... Right. It's a term that you would think of being related to someone being washed out by or light. Or like over... Yeah, washed out by light. Right. And the thing is, black people can be washed out by an absence of light mm. because of our skin tone. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, this is what I got out of these pictures, which was that they were dull. Yeah, they were to a certain degree lifeless because of their dullness. Most mm. of them. Now the cover shot was a little bit different because it actually was um, lit differently. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I also didn't love it. Um, but it's really specifically the pictures that are inside that I did not like at all. And I think that the one picture particularly that has gotten a lot of play was the one that you referenced, where she had that jeweled mm-hmm. sequent. Whatever it was, it was a beautiful, gown. It was beautiful piece. I that think she's wearing another reason why, like the more I analyze the image, because that's like what we did, obviously in our research, mm-hmm. is that I think it also was met with conflict because of her facial expression. It Maybe. was almost like lifeless. There wasn't a lot of yeah. energy in her body. Maybe, um, and it was also dimly lit. So for me, I feel like the issue I have is that, um, you know. Art is very subjective. Totally. Right. People may like it. They may love it. They may hate it. They may despise it. Right. And that's fine. I think that we all can have a point of view about what we love or hate about it. I think with, if anything, this is just, um, kicked up a conversation that was kind of there on at surface, which was around diversity and hiring diversity at Vogue. As we we kicked off the story, 125 Mm -hmm. years of one black person has shot the cover. 125 years and one black person has shot a cover yeah. of Vogue. And the same with, um, I believe it was Vanity Fair, where this picture just came out of um, Viola Davis. Viola Davis on the cover. First that ever. It's the first time that they've ever had a black person. So shoot I the think cover. that, you know, I don't want to get down. A, I think what, what, I think what, what can be met with a lot of conflict is I like it, you don't like it, we like it, they don't like it, that like, I like it. Why don't you like a lot of that where it's more of like, this is just an example of, you know, we need diversity, not just on covers, but also creative diversity. And there are examples of white photographers that have done a damn good job at highlighting the melanin and skin. And I think yeah, that no, was the missing piece in this. But and, that, but Annie's one of them, though. And it, this was the thing that really when I started, you know, kind of and not even really doing research for the pod but just kind of looking around and trying to get to the bottom of this controversy is there is a photo of of um viola davis from 2016 that annie Leibovitz did that Mm -hmm. was not on the cover it was inside but she didn't have a make she didn't have any makeup on no she was not wearing a wig no and she had it was almost like there was a raw it was raw yeah yeah and it was also not like like 
lit through a prism, which is, you no. know, kind of like how, you know, what we're seeing a lot of the really like, in my opinion, aesthetically pleasing and, and really like pretty shots that I've seen of black people lately but her skin has gorgeous. been more of like, it's like there's this glow and there's color and there's all these things. But this was not that. This particular photo was also pretty dark, mm. but you still were able to get the beauty mm. that jumped off the page from this woman who was not ascribing to any of the normal aesthetics of European beauty that we're used to when we see black women who are heavily made up um, Mm -hmm. or are wearing a wig or weave or whatever it is going on with their hair. None of that is present, but it also still was very beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that made me look at this with an even more critical eye because I'm like, she has, she has all the other things going on, but then you've shot her like she's standing in a fucking alley. Mm-hmm. In a and back think, alley and being and photographed. I, it in could alley. have been that. Then that I think, I think where she was shot isn't of question. It's how she was shot. I feel like what I have to just give credit is what I what I have to give not credit, but where I have to place blame is with Vogue. So when you are head of a magazine, when you are um, choosing images for an editorial, there are more than one option. There are various options. You don't just shoot five looks. Mm-hmm. You likely shoot eight mm-hmm. and you choose the five best. Right. Um, and you over pull. So you have, you know, 35 shoes and choose three um, or 55 dresses and choose five. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of the editorial process. And for me, I felt like shame on Vogue for choosing an image that, you know, isn't the best. And maybe it was the best. We don't know what the real um, film looked like. And Mm -hmm. we also don't know the medium that she used. Was it digital film? Was it like physical film? Like how was it um, produced? Like, was it in a, um, what is it called? A red room or some shit? Like where they produced the um, the film. I don't know. Like how, so like at the end of the day, it's just how it was lit. You can light, you can light black people or darker skin complexion person beautifully and then and not give them a um over over light them to make them right. look lighter no totally you can highlight you can warm the light we bitch right. you saw on our, on our on our lives bitch when we use the one light i look like a whole ray of light and, and that you- was one of the things that i that came to my mind when i was looking at this and kind of trying to have a um critical eye to it was that like it re- it it's there is different lighting for different subjects mm-hmm. and that was uh, my mind immediately went to what if we had nicole kidman on the cover of vogue where she's completely washed out by bright white light it would be like oh well what is that what's what happening that? here yeah, that's true. and that is the feeling that i had here you know what i mean and it's like you know this doesn't have anything to do with you know it well it does have to do with her color and her complexion because she is because right because there had there should be some and that level of light could have highlighted a lighter complexion black exactly and it but again to my point that i made before it doesn't have to be necessarily shot you know through different you know prisms of color or anything like that to actually still be flattering and ultimately again in my opinion i feel like these photos were not flattering and that was definitely a miss on everyone's part Agreed. including annie and, and did Vogue. you see so did you see the um anna allegedly on a winter on a winter she's come out and she said that let me find my notes it's right here bitch oh. i don't even look at my paper she said that 
she is short a shaft. A short a shaft. Oh, a oh my! So a short, not a short a, sh- a short in a shaft. In a letter oh promising my. that the magazine will work towards <laughs> diversity when featuring black models and photographers, which is something that they could have been, they could have put in practice for this August issue, which has just come out. She mm-hmm. said in an email, but uh, it was obtained by today. Winter recognized that the injustice and hurt experienced by the black members of the Vogue team and noted that doing something about it is overdue. Okay, so, so this is actually, not about, this isn't about the photo. This is about but it, she, she kind of environment two subjects at Vogue. Because remember, here's what she said. She uh-huh. said that um, the magazine will work towards diversity when featuring black models mm-hmm. and photographers, which is something that they could have put in place for the... August. Uh, so it's issue. like an allusion to the controversy. So she said, we recognize that yeah. we could have, and we also are going to say that we're going to do better at. Right. So like she kind of lumped in two subjects into one, which interesting, but I also acknowledge that Anna did such, and she said like, I hear, I see the controversy. Remember, if everyone remembers, there was a challenge during quarantine called the Vogue Challenge. I remember. Where literally black people, people of color we're taking photos and putting it through a filter that said Vogue because of the mis- the the limited representation of black people on the cover of Vogue. Right. This is done, and this is why this whole topic is being met with controversy. And I think another good point that you made earlier was that just in the current climate, it's all it just feels all the more egregious mm-hmm. um, because of the fact that. What's you know we have the Black Lives Movement we have you know Black Lives Matter movement we have the marching for our lives we have all these things going on and then for this very prestigious magazine to release photos like this of a black subject it just feels like it's kind of adding insult to injury mm-hmm. and I think that it's just important that in a case like this even if it is art and I know that some you know with artists maybe sometimes they don't necessarily feel like they need to defend their work because. You know, it's art and it is subjective, but I think in a case like this, we also have to look at intent versus impact Mm -hmm. because that's um, something that, you know, um, a friend of ours mentioned to us where we were like, I was like, oh shit, I need to do better with that too. Because I'll say, oh, well, I had the best of intentions. I love when you, I love when you, when you (laughs) said that this past week, I said, look at him trying to learn. You have the best of intentions, but do your intentions really matter when it impacts someone or something or some group in a negative way. Mm. And in this case, I think that ultimately these pictures impacted the black community in a way that was largely negative. And that's where you get the blowback. Mm. So the intent of it, how she shot it's it. It's also met with like the darker skin complexion of the community. Where right. They have been told for centuries that their beauty is not met with um, commercial success right. because you have to be lighter. You have to have long, beautiful hair. Mm-hmm. You have to meet. You have to be. Meet, you have to meet the European standard of beauty. Standard of yeah. beauty, which is to that point why Black Twitter probably was. I love that you mentioned. Well, that. I'm sure part of it was that, but I think again. So if we're just looking at it at it within a broader context of um, you know impact over intention, that you know there needs to be some notes that are made by, mm. by folks who are in power because regardless like of what it. the intention was, this impact was negative. It was, I'm in, intrigued, bitch. it was received in a negative fashion. And I'm intrigued to see what the next issue will be and what the following issue should be because guess what? Magazines usually work two to three months out. Yes. So that means September issue is pretty much wrapping up as we speak. So, well, I mean, it doesn't mean that they can't go on and make some changes. It's true, bitch. <laughs> well, all right. So speaking of negative impact, um, Nick Cannon. So I'm sure you've probably heard ad nauseum 
that Nick Cannon has been accused of making uh, anti-Semitic comments. This was um, actually on his podcast, which I think also doubles as a YouTube show somehow. Um, But essentially, um, he had uh, someone on his show um, who uh, is Richard Griffin, better known as Professor Griff, which I was like, oh, I know Professor Griff. You do? Yeah, because he was actually a member of Public Enemy. Um, yeah, but he was actually kicked out of public enemy in 1989 after doing an interview in the Washington times where, um, he at that time said that Jews are responsible Jews. I want to, don't want to gloss over that. I said that kind of quickly. Jews were responsible for the majority of wickedness that goes on across the globe. Oh, so in this interview with Nick Cannon, apparently he was espousing some of these same views um which are clearly anti-semitic and from i did not listen to it full disclosure but from what i've read in the different pieces that i that i've um, looked into with this um he basically he being that canon was agreeing with certain things that um you know canon said you know we give so much power to the they's and the they's turn into mm. illuminati the Zionists, the the Rothschilds, and the Rothschilds are a wealthy Jewish family that are often mm. used, um, you know, to kind of signal without saying it, um, you know, to, to give this impression that Jews have all this money and power and they're exerting this power over the world. So obviously this was met with a firestorm of controversy. Um, he was very promptly fired from his um, show Wild and Out. Which has been um, was was on and then it was canceled. And Viacom it was CBS did not have time for this. They did not. They said that they were deeply troubled. Wait, does Viacom own CBS? Yes. Oh, well, they're like, yeah, they merged or whatever. Oh, come on. Merger. Um. So yeah, they said they're deeply troubled. Um. That he's failed to acknowledge or apologize for perpetuating anti-Semitism, and that they were terminating their relationship with him. Um. He originally. Was kind of like obstinate about it, like oh whatever, yeah. like whatever, like I stand by. Kind of almost what he said. Then he apologized because I think then the money came into play, mm-hmm. where it was like I mean if you think about it, Nick Cannon has whatever he's doing the with Mass this podcast, Singer. which I never heard of before. He also has a radio show. He's the host of the Mass Singer. He's getting a talk show, which I also didn't know about. That I was knew, supposed to he debut. Did J- Wendy Williams, and then and that's Wendy- great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he's got a lot of jobs. And these are jobs that um, are actually controlled by, um, you know, white people. White people. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, black folks on social media. Now, obviously, that's not scientific. I don't know how many black folk were really co-signing, but a lot of black folk on social media came to his defense originally. And then once he apologized, they kind of then felt like, why are you apologizing? Which was mm. a whole nother thing. But what do you think about all this? You know, I think that Nick Cannon, you know, he definitely has a history of speaking things that are a little problematic. Um, And in this case, you know, he he had a guest on the show that was problematic, had a problem, has a problematic history Mm -hmm. and he should expect such Um, where I think it's important to recognize is that cancel culture is rap is bitch. It is everywhere in these streets 
And it often happens for people of color quicker yep. than non. That is true. So think about all of the years of Harvey Weinstein. Think about all of the all of the projects of what's his name? Woody Allen. Is mm-hmm. that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, and how we have not canceled right. the creatives. Right. Of this work, the projects of this work, even the, though there are credible, there were credible allegations against Weinstein before he was actually caught mm-hmm. up, and there are credible allegations against Woody Allen today. So here we are, um, you know, allegations you know, of sexual misconduct, and here we are, you know, canceling and getting essentially not just are we canceling, and when I say we, the collective we, everyone in the world, but also firing him via com. Um, and when you, we just talked about you bitch CBS earlier about y'all trying to, you know, create space for people of color. <laughs> yes. They were like, Ooh, let and us they do said, this Ooh, too. We need to, we need to show up for the, uh, all communities. <laughs> and I think that it was quickly, it was a decision that was quickly made without, um, you know, it was within 24 hours. It was quick. So it's like, why does he have to come out and apologize um and why does he have to get fired because of his comments without giving him a moment without giving us a moment to absorb and giving him a moment to gather his thoughts so what you're saying is that you think they acted too quickly i do okay do i think that you know what he said was right no but also i think what people need to realize is that you know in order for people to learn they need to actually make a mistake um, this was a mistake that he made and he said things out of pocket. And if, if the decision is the mistake that he made warrants him then to lose lucrative deals, so be it, but it should not be as quick as it had, as it was, because we are still in these streets watching movies that Harvey Weinstein was in, watch, going to the movies to see Woody Allen movies and to the two examples you know, out here watching and out here having a president that wants to grab pussies, you know, and making comments every day about people that are not like him mm-hmm. that are disparaging. Come on, words. Yeah. So, I mean, I, to a certain degree, I, I, I agree with you. Like, um, you know, there there should be some type of a comparison. I mean, I don't know at what point a comparison like that gets into a whataboutism. Um, and where that line is, but, um, it was very quick. Like it was really quick. And then, so Cannon did, um, his apology was, I must apologize to my Jewish brothers and sisters for putting them in such a painful position, which was never my intention. But I know this whole situation has hurt many people and together we will make it right. But then, so then I don't know for me personally, I then have to wonder when we have someone who's making an apology like that, uh-huh. that feels like it's motivated fight by financials and by losing jobs, mm. is that really a good thing? When you have someone who is, well, that's what, but who really you... thinks that whatever Jews are evil, Jews have all the money and they exert all this power over everything, but then when they're called out for saying it publicly, they then come out and say, "Oh well, I'm sorry." But when, but if that sorry is not genuine, but why do we hold Nick Cannon at a different standard than we do with Donald Trump when he said he? Oh, I'm not. I'm not holding. We as a as a society, when Donald Trump has been on the record, has said that he only wants Jewish people to manage his. Donald Trump's campaign should never have started, but it definitely should have ended 
with the um, excess Hollywood recordings. At the end of the day, I so no, like- I think that there, you know, the swiftness of it. I mean, when you say fucked up shit like this, like maybe sometimes you do really quickly get fired. But I do also see your point where you're saying, but why are we not applying that standard to everyone? Right. You know, more consistently because it feels very inconsistent. Because when you had the president who was on the two men, admitting to two men and a kid to to very vile behavior. Two men and a kid, two men, two men and a kid. What was it called? What are you talking about? The man. He, are you talking about Charlie Sheen? Yes. He was out here saying all <laughs> types of things. Oh, yeah. Bitch. Not just him. Mel Gibson. There's Mel a Gibson. long list. There's and look, a long bitches was going list. to see all his movies. There is a long list. So, so to me, I felt like there's just there is an, an there is some inequity. Yeah. No, and that. I agree that there is. I agree. So that there is. do I think and I'm am I condoning this the comments in which Nick Cannon made? No. Yeah. But am I questioning why Viacom was so quick? Yes. And I feel mm-hmm. like Viacom should have and maybe they did, which I I didn't get a voicemail, so Mm-mm. so I don't know. <laughs> maybe they did call him and say, Hey, this is what we're feeling and mm. you know, I think this is what you should well, do. Well, I mean, that was the one thing where he said that he tried to reach out to them and that they um actually did not respond and then they oh, said that so that then- wasn't true. Well, bitch, someone didn't call somebody. So (laughs) y'all didn't have a conversation. And within 24 hours, y'all fired him. Sidebar, I mean, not to make fun of the fact that he lost his job and all this, but the meme that was going around, that was Ryan Seacrest as a new host of Wild and Out, I found to be very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Because that shit seems like it could really happen. It's not yeah, funny. Is Nick Cannon low key might be Kanye West running mate? We oh, don't know. Lord. Speaking of Kanye West, bitch, he had mm. his first rally in South Carolina where he is trying to get his name on the ballot. So wait, let's level set because you know I love a good level oh, set. Bitch, only thing level in your life is set. You know there were rumors. So you know we began this past week with the rumor that Kanye would was not running for office. Mm-hmm. Let's just be clear about that. So like someone who was supposed to be a part of his staff had come out and said that everyone was fired or I don't know, like that, that, you know, they were starting all these things, but that they initially, they eventually were like being sent home because he wasn't going to run. Then we get the rumor that, Oh, well actually he's filed the paperwork. And then I'll let you continue. And then he's decided <laughs> to have his first rally in South Carolina oh my God. where masks were off. Um, and he really, mm-hmm. um, they were calling it the coronavirus. It's literally happening while we're recording. They were the calling way. it the coronavirus rally. Okay. Um, and Black Twitter. on Twitter, they said, you go there, you're going to get coronavirus. <laughs> That's not um, many people That's said not they went just to get footage. So they will go viral. <sighs> oh this is what they said on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, like um, the clout chasers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Kanye decided to use his platform where he was wearing a vest that said security. Mm-hmm. He was wearing a vest at a rally where I don't know how many people were there. There hasn't been any sort of um, <sighs> research or, sh- or data shared. You had to like register or something I read um, on West 2020 or something. Bitch, he tweeted. And this is in North Charleston, South Carolina. Yes. Where ultimately I just want everyone to know that um, that is on Twitter. You'll be seeing my personal account every time Kanye or Donald Trump tweet something. I'm just going to email tweet them trash. And that will be my one word that I'll use no matter what they say, because that's ultimately what they are. So Kanye Mm -hmm. uh, had his first little rally where he 
was up there in his security vest discussing things. Um, <laughs> he said that um, the big headline is that well, two of the things that I've read recently, as we were right before we recorded and also during our recording, um, during our break, is that Kanye said that Harriet Tubman did not free state slaves. She just got them to work for other white people. Um, you will see that circulating the internet where the black girl that was recording it, she said, we leave it now. That was what she said. And that was the video ended because yeah, she girl, realized, why were you there in the first place? Cause it was clout chasing. Okay, Cause then right, van from right. TMZ, he, he posted that video. Okay. So there's that. So it worked. So it worked. Okay. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I feel like Kanye is on the same journey of clout chasing. He has a project coming out called Donda. Um, he has a song called the West wing. Um, that is basically a play on words, um, but also about the, obviously the White House. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I, Kanye is, is I, like we said last week, and I'm going to say it until we hold people account around him accountable. Kanye is spiraling. Kanye is damaged. And this, we are seeing the beginning of the end. I say that. Yeah, so... <laughs> and with all due respect, not to be rude. Um, right. Or insensitive. The, the other thing was the abortion thing. Yeah, that was the other thing. He said that he um, told... He started breaking down in tears. So, no. The way that it's being reported by the Hollywood Reporter, because I'm looking at it right now, is that he was hysterically crying on stage. Hysterical. Oh. And he said that he started crying because he told Kim to have an abortion and basically, to paraphrase, he would have lost his daughter um, if that was the case. So to remind everyone... He also had only, someone thrown out for heckling. The <laughs> only person, the only child that Kim gave has given birth to is North. Uh-huh. Every other child has been done through... Um, IVF. IVF. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Also, he is not condoning... Um, he does not condone abortion, but he condones, he said, because God doesn't want that. But just so everyone knows, God also, you know, can be argued if he wanted them to use turkey basters. Maybe mm-hmm. he wasn't meant to have. I wish more. he would stop saying turkey basters. I feel like that's uh-huh. a little insensitive. <laughs> it's true, though, bitch. Yeah, people no, have done it. I feel like it's, a, you know, that most people are going into a lab and having that procedure, particular procedure performed. But, but carry on. What did you read on? The yeah, like you were you saying. Hotline, so, bitch. Yeah. According to ABC News, all attendees were asked to sign a COVID-19 liability release form. Social distance. Wow. And wear a mask. Well, so bitch, apparently bitch, people were supposed to wear a that mask. That people were wearing masks. No, apparently they must have wanted people Kanye to wear wasn't a mask. wearing a mask. Well, of course he wasn't wearing a mask. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially now what he's trying to do is he's trying to get his name on the ballots in a lot of places because he needs that in order for him to actually successfully run for office. And considering the fact that most of the deadlines have passed, he really has an uphill battle. Um, so we'll just be very interesting to see how this all plays out because um, he needed 10,000 signatures to be on the ballot in South Carolina, which is why he held this particular event. Um, And then what they're saying now is that he's going to have more events. He paid $35,000 as a registration fee to get on the ballot in Oklahoma. Um, And again, he'll need several more states to reach the 270 electoral college um, votes to win the presidency. He ultimately will go bankrupt for this again. 
from? I don't know. I mean, thirty-five thousand dollars is dropping a bucket. But if you're going to have to do this often, and it, it from what I've read, he has said it's going to be self-funded. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, it will be. He will, unless Kim is out in these streets enabling him even more with her checkbook. So my question for you, I think, outside of all this fucking craziness, which I'm just like, this is real life in 2020. Like we have a fucking um, president who bathes in Cheeto dust on a daily basis. Mm-hmm who likes to grab pussies and who literally makes shit up that 30, that 30, that 30% of Americans will not necessarily believe, but that they'll rally behind him, even though they're, Mm -hmm. they know that he's lying. So we have that. And then now we have this rapper who was very influential, um, you know, who sees himself as, you know, obviously, and, and actually he is, he's, he's actually, and, and I, I actually diminished him just there. I'm going to take that back. He is an icon. Kanye is an icon mm-hmm. and I will give that to him. Mm-hmm. But now we have this black icon who is very problematic in the black community, who's coming out and running for office this late in the game, clearly a, to promote an album that's going to be coming out that's called Donda. Exactly. And B, to try to siphon off as many votes as he can from that the Democratic part. nominee who is Joe Biden because Kanye has been very, very clear and very vocal about his feeling that the Democrats have not earned the black vote. So now he's trying to take some of that black vote away. So Trash. fuck Kanye. I've said this before. I will continue to say it. And I say this even knowing that he has a mental issue just because he has a mental issue does not mean that he can't be fucked. Like, fuck Ooh, you. Gosh. Or that he can't be. You said Paul. As far as I'm concerned right now, he's canceled. Maybe we will greenlight him again. We'll bring him back as a revival. But right now in 2020 on um, whatever this date is, I don't want to date the pod, but he he is canceled. I, here's my opinion and i think this will kind of lump it all my opinion all in this one statement is that ultimately we and i said this is we are watching we are watching a very um troubling time for someone that is in the public eye every day yeah on twitter on instagram and we have his spouse enable such behavior and I say enables because if she really cared, she would A, not allow him to do this, B, not be married to him if he continued to do this, or C, not continue to have children by choice. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't say not allow because we talked about this last week and not to go back into that whole thing, but like he's a grown man and, and he's mentally unstable it's not necessarily a, a matter of allowance. It's a matter of mitigation and a matter of, of she does not care dealing with it and trying to helping him. She doesn't. He care. needs help. She doesn't care. He needs help. He needs help, and he's gone astray. And my 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 concern is that he's going to lead other people astray who we need. In order to make sure that fucking Kim, I also Kim read that Cheeto running, gets out of he's office. running as Republican. I read that as well. well no, he. Can, I don't think he can. I read. He'd that. have to run as independent. So at the end of the day, Trump I, is the Republican. He can't I, run. As a Republican. I think that, and I feel that, and I believe that we are watching the beginning of the end. And when I say that, I say that with with respect to his legacy, to his uh, to what he's provided for us. But I also want to say that with all due respect, 
we are watching him spiral into a very, very, very dark place. And his words have meaning and his words have power. And I think what the concern is, is how much power will they have in, um, in the election? Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I think that um, we that that's the thing that really bothers me about this him, is even in this current climate, we're in a climate where when we have someone who's a black icon who wants to come forward and be a contrarian, which, you know, I've said that he was a contrarian like two years ago mm-hmm. on this pod. And I still stand by that. Well, we you know, Kanye Matt. And some people think of contrarian as being like, oh, that means that I'm like this amazing thinker because I don't go along with the flow and just no. believe everything that everybody else believes. But it's like, well, no, like that's not really the way you go. Like the way you should go is doing your fucking research. And I'm going to research this whole Harriet Tubman thing mm. because like I'm, I can't say on the face of it that what he's saying is not true but it's highly fucking fucking unlikely mm-hmm. that that what he's saying is true and that is the part of this that concerns me the most that people be because people will believe, believe that just because fucking Kanye West said it and exactly. Kanye West has no brain trust he's no fucking you know intellectual genius he may be a musical genius not and an intellectual you, you might think that his clothes are genius even though they're not they're fucking basics like the gap has been doing that for decades Ooh. but it, oh. that is what concerns me what concerns Ooh, girl, me is the his, people is ready is the people platform. that he will lead astray and we don't need that right now what we need is we need to um, have a moment where we coalesce oh. and that coalescing needs to happen behind joe biden and i don't even want to get into that because i don't really even want to vote for joe biden but i'm going to but that's the thing this is a distra- this is a distraction and i just want kanye to go away well, that, my friends, is is that unfiltered unbothered. I feel really strongly winded. about this. I feel really. It was long winded and ended with a big exp- exclamation point. Was it long winded though? We had a lot. We talked about a lot. <laughs> yeah, but long winded means like you are going round about. Well, to we say went something. all around about. It doesn't mean there was a lot. Well, was bitch, said. it was long. Okay, and I was winded. <laughs> so moving on to shuffle and repeat, bitch. What is your first thing? Uh, anyway, I rebuke you and your foolishness. So, the Dixie Chicks. No. Formerly chicks. formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. Okay. I'm going to probably still call them the Dixie Chicks for a while because change is hard. Um, but yes, the Chicks have finally released their album, Gaslighter. Mm. And I love it so much. Well, so let's just paint the picture. Ray decided to... <laughs> Um, at eleven, at night, ten o'clock at night, get headphones and to plug in while earbuds, we were in the bed, earbuds, boo, and listen to okay. said album while I was asleep because okay, it's I twenty twenty earbuds. And then he was like all loud, "Oh my god, did you hear this?" No, I didn't hear it because I'm trying. To okay, sleep. I'm pretty sure I never asked you if you heard anything, but I just wanted you to understand the emotional roller coaster that Girl. I was on as I was listening to this album. All right, so I mean, I don't even know where to start with this. Oh, bitch! Um, I know where to but, start. But uh, I'll say overall, it is an amazing um, piece of work, piece of art, um, and that uh, there's only like maybe one song that I might skip. So it's it's not like an album that like there are no skips, which 
hashtag no skips is kind of like oh the thing from end to end the thing is great like but f- mostly from end to end i feel like this is great so they worked with a bunch of non-nashville artists um including most notably jack atnoff i think we talked about this before songs. because he's an executive producer so he, he was the ep on this which is pretty amazing he's from fun and bleachers for anyone who doesn't know him um and he they also worked with people like julia michaels who she's a pretty um well-known um songwriter and she has a couple of songs too that were hits um and then one of my favorites saint vincent and she's actually a rock artist she's a rock star she's like kind of like alternative but then like really kind of rock to me not even alternative but okay so let's just get into it well girl i don't have enough time for this so sleep been talking for so sleep at night Okay, and so one of my songs, okay, and this is one um, that Justin Tranter is one of the main, um, like, songwriters that they worked with on the album, but in Sleep at Night, okay, so actually, let me go back. So all three women, we're not doing the whole episode. Listen, all three women have gone through divorces since the last album came out. So that's kind of like a level set of like where they are. Natalie, she's the main singer. Um, she actually has had the most public divorce because she was married to Adrian Pazdar. He's an actor. He was in Heroes. Okay. So in Sleep at Night, the lyric that caught my attention was, and I quote, my husband's girlfriend's husband just called me up. How messed up is that? It's so insane that I have to laugh. But then I think about our two boys trying to become men. There's nothing funny about that. So, I mean, it, this is just a Girl, I, I said it. This was this was the chicks. This was their honor this Palmer, was, bitch. This, this was, was their lemonade. Their lemonade, this bitch. Their lemonade. They over here talk about giving us motherfucking <laughs> chapters and shit. Not the chicks are Arnold Palmer. This is their honor Palmer, bitch. And I, you know. No, girl, yeah. sweet tea lemonade, okay? Or sweet tea. That's your life. <laughs> so, you know, that was one. That's a song that sticks out to me. Tights on My Boat is obviously another one. If you listen to the pod, you know, we talked about Gaslighter, which is the um, first single that was released. She says, you know what, boy, you know what you did on my boat, but she doesn't go into any detail. When she was on Ellen DeGeneres, Ellen asked her point blank, what did he do on the boat? She did not elaborate. Well, she says... I hope you die peacefully in your sleep. Mm-mm. Just kidding. I hope it hurts like you hurt me. I hope that when you think of me, you can't breathe. I hope you never find a sock to match the other one. Hey, will your dad pay your taxes now that I am done? I can promise you're not fooling anyone. And then she, the chorus or the pre-choruses, and you can tell the girl who left her tights on my boat that she can have you now. Girl. All right. So that was um, a Julia Michaels co-write. Then we have the song that's the last song that I'll mention, mm. which was a song that actually. Because I was like, are we going on a track by track review, bitch? <laughs> it tugged at my heartstrings. It made me sad. And it's called Young Man. It's clear that the song that she's singing is to um, one of her sons. I think um, the oldest just turned 16, like literally last week. Um, and this was a St. Vincent co-write yes i know i know all about it it's fine um so saint vincent co-wrote this song and i think anyone who has gone through this type of a breakup or divorce and you have kids and you have you know if you're a woman and um, or or a man who's in a, a gay relationship um and you have a son um she says you're of you're of me not mine 
Walk your own crooked line. I promise you'll be fine. Take the best parts of him as your own life begins. Leave the bad news behind you. And she says, young man, take a good look at my life and try to understand I've done the best I know how to. And then she ends it with, and my blues aren't your blues. It's up to you. And that just, for some reason, hit me where I was just like, oh, my God. Like, you know, because when you think of it, you think of a son who's like, oh, I'm going to rep for my mom. My dad's a piece of shit. And he fucked this bitch on a, you know, on on a boat. And here oh they God. both were married. And it's like, I'm going to take that on for you. And just this whole idea of her, like, stepping back and saying no, like, my blues are not your blues. And it's like your dad, even though he fucked me over, Girl, you was crying. Take, take the best parts of him. You was crying. It just, it spoke to me. Well, okay? clearly and it's this, on repeat. Is, this is the whole fucking repeat, bitch. The whole 15 minute review of it's a repeat. On repeat. He gave you motherfucking girl. If you could saw, he was giving us interpreted dance at the table, bitch. This, just because I'm to me, just because I'm talking with my hands does not mean it's interpretive day. Well, I just want to let you know the chicks. This was cute. <laughs> it was clearly and quickly became the lemonade of their history, bitch. <laughs> um, it was cute. I wonder if the you if keep this, saying that it's cute. <laughs> if the album actually was the same album that we heard five months ago, six months ago, like if they'd made some changes. Um, you know, they're very political artists. So obviously March, March, we've talked about March, March was amazing. Um, that was, I, I think, think one of the latest, one of the last songs. Sleep at night, March, March and tights on a boat was cute. But for me, it's a okay. whole solid shuffle because uh, <laughs> I don't need, you know, I don't need the yeehaw. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's not even that yeehaw. It's funny. I went on to Apple Music and was looking at the reviews and they got a lot of one star reviews. And it was always like, are they pop now? Are they not country anymore? Mm-hmm. Bitch, they were. I, I, we have to find a new term other than blackballed, but they were ostracized mm-hmm. by country music. I love oysters. So, <laughs> so I, I mean, what oysters. do you mean? Like, how, why are you even asking that question? Like, are you fucking paying attention? Like, whatever. Well, but okay, so you said it was on a shuffle. It's on a shuffle. That's, that's fine. That's your opinion. That's great. It's yeah. blessed. Okay. So next <laughs> artist we love. She has an album coming out in August. So mm-hmm. next month, let us see. We have seen her multiple times, and her song that came out was called Where Am I? It is on her new album that comes out called Wild Card. Um, I'm really interested to see where this direction of this album is going. This song is definitely different than her first album. Her, I mean, her first single, rather. Her first single was more like throwback, where mm-hmm. this song felt like very more so neo-soul. Very much um, so, I Which, agree. actually, she worked with a producer... Um, called Ivan Barlas, who's wor- who worked with Jill Scott on her first album, Mill Scott, um, Miss Scott, M- Music Soul Child on um, one of his albums, uh, Jaheem. Um, this song just also just feels very, like I said, very nostalgic to that time. Mm-hmm. There actually was an artist called Crystal Oliver that I've never heard about. She actually just released a song. But she was also a writer on this, or a, I think co-producer slash writer. Okay. And she um, has sang background for Music Soul Child. She was a writer for Todd Dolla Sign. She was a producer on the Cheetah Girls. Like, she's out here making coins. <laughs> and she has a song called Paint, Finger Paint. Listen to it. She's cute. Her name is Crystal, for, uh, Crystal Oliver. Um, I'm here for this new era of Lettucey. I'm curious to see, like, like I said, where the album goes. Um, you know, what, what makes me excited is that she worked with on every song, Rex, who was one of the people she's worked with on various projects. Yeah. Um, Rex Rideout, isn't that yes. what he goes by? He, 
is on pretty much all the songs, so I, yeah. which is promising. So repeat because I love the vibe. Yeah. So I um, definitely agree that it's on repeat. This for me um, was to your point, neo soul. So like neo soul in a way of when I think of Lettucey, um, you know, her first major label album. Um, which was Lost and Found, which was the album where Grammys and everybody yeah, kind of like started paying attention to her. That actually is one of my least favorite Let It See That's albums personally. Album. And I know that you loved it. But for me, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, like she's good. But like, you know, OK. Um, and this song sounds like that, but just like kind of put through a 2020 filter. And I like it. Like I, I actually like the song. I like the message of it. Um, where she really is kind of saying, like, you need to meet me where I am, as opposed to, like, you know, like, me want, wanting to come over there. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely say it's also on repeat, um, with a caveat that I do prefer Let Us See when she's at um, more of a, um, where she's more lively, um, more sassy, if you will, even though I sometimes feel like sassy's coded language. Um, but I, again, it's on repeat. So I'm actually also really excited for the album, because I am, even if she is, um, going in more of a lost and found direction. I would kind of like to see what a lost and found sounds like when put through a 2020 filter. Mm-hmm. So I'm like here for it. And I mean, fuck it. Like ultimately Lettucey can't really do wrong. Oh. Even though I might quibble on here and there. Like I love her so much that it's like, whatever. All right. So next like, is an EP. <laughs> whatever. Um, uh, that feels like, um, racism, but that's fine. Um, How was the so, racism that, that's what you did. Yeah. It feels like you're trying to make it seem like I have a vocal fry all of a sudden, which doesn't make any sense. I mean, it was deep fry right okay. there. I'll have to listen to it. I'll, listen to it. I'll, <laughs> have, to run, I'll have to run it back. Yeah. It's whatever. <laughs> so pink sweats. Um, he is, uh, um, I thought he was R and B singer, but I mean, more and more, he's seen, seeming like a pop singer. He released an EP called Pre- The Prelude, which includes um, several songs that were actually already released. Um, and I have to say, I'm actually into it. I like these um, different songs presented as a body of work. It is very pop leaning, um, which is refreshing to it me is. because he doesn't look like, you know, your traditional pop artist. He is brown skinned. He is fluffy. Um, I, I think he's queer, but I didn't look into it. So I don't know. But um, the imaging seems kind of like it's queer or maybe a little queer alternative. Um, so I'm actually here for it. I like to see an artist like him, which I think Khalid is probably one of the artists that's kind of opened the door for this and opened the door for this type of artist to, to be considered the to EP be more mainstream. Prelude, the Prelude. Yeah, it's called The Prelude. And I um, am here for listening um, to future releases from him because The Prelude would suggest that there's an album coming. Um, so I am eager to hear this album. Um, I really like Seventeen. I like Give It To Me and Icy, and it's definitely on repeat for me. So this Pink Planet is coming out this year. Oh, okay. And he last year he released Volume 1 and Volume 2, two EPs. This was the third EP called The Prelude. And then, that Henny and Coke was a shit, girl. And then that was part of Project yes, One. Yes, it was good. Um, this, to me, I felt like it was very relevant, the sound of what's happening in culture. Um, gave me Bruno Mars in some moments. Gave me like it gave me the weekend, Khalid, a little a bit of weekend here where I was like, I don't like that one. Overall, I feel like I'm gonna shuffle this um, EP <laughs> because I felt like for me, I feel like it was reaching for everything that is versus him being authentic to himself. So mm. I'm really curious okay. to see what this full length album 
is because yeah. I need to know. Um, I need to know. Tell them, baby girl, because I need to know. Oh, yes. wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're taking us back. You're welcome. So I don't even think I said, but it's on repeat. That was on repeat. You me. did say that. Oh, I did say that. Okay, so I was then, like, wait a second. Let me be sure. Let me be clear. I'll be sure, bitch. <laughs> so the last song in Shuffle Repeat is called um, Play, Play Fight. Fight mm-hmm. And it actually is with an artist that we love, Tanache. Uh, and then they, who is an artist duo, that has worked with people like Ty Dolla Sign and Jesse Reyes, um, just to name a few. They had a debut album that came in 2018. Their new album is to tell you to come out this year called The Amanda Tape. And this feels very nostalgic. Um, they layered, um, they layered they, the, the vocal stacks, which is very like R&B radio of 2000s. Early two thousands. Okay. The guitar um, definitely feels very now with this percussion. Like it just was very a mood, a Ooh, moment. Yes, you're shaking and shimmying okay. right now. Listen, talking you about know, me doing interpretive dance. Uh-huh. You about to drop it over there? So overall, I feel like this song is <laughs> definitely like a summer jam. Like I definitely think they were looking for a summer song. Uh-huh. For me, it's a repeat. I definitely think Tanache is an artist that I I feel like she hasn't had her moment yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say moment, meaning like you know, big smash hit. Yeah, I think they I thought think, that was going to be when she did the song with Britney. But I think that she's on her way. That didn't happen. Um, she also released a new song this week too. So yeah. she has two songs out there on the radios. Uh, her song called Rascal. I appreciate her artistry, especially of dance. So I'm here for the play fight. Yeah. And I'm really curious to hear what this They album sounds like. It's on a repeat for me, bitch. Yeah, I like the other They album. It was, it was, it was cute. Um, and I actually do like this song. You know, I agree with you. It's a nostalgic feel, um, but also feels contemporary to me at the same time. Like, it feels like contemporary R&B. Um, so Agreed. it's catchy. And um, I'd say that this is actually also on repeat for me. Uh-oh. So now she, actually, she had a single or song that came out um, this week, too. I need to dig into that. I wasn't crazy about listening to it, it for the bad. first time. Not to say that it wasn't, that it was bad, but I need to go back and listen to it again. Um, because I really liked that last project that she did. The album was really good. Oh yeah, that was really good. The album was really good. She was actually supposed to come a tour here yeah. in Seattle and then unfortunately. And I'm wondering if maybe this is just kind of like, oh, well, let me put music out just so that like. An extension. Yeah, that people know that like I'm still making music, like even though I couldn't tour off of the album yeah. that I put out. But yeah, so as far as they um, and Tanache's play fight, I would say that it is um, also on repeat. Okay, come on, repeat. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, I mean, that brings us to the end of the journey. But bitch, for what's the your day. word of the week? And my word of the week is a word that I actually um, just said, which <gasps> is because I was going to do a word and I was like, I think mm. I may have done that one already. So I chose to do word. ostracize or ostracized. So ostracize, which is spelled O, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, R, A as in Apple, C as in cat, I as in ice cream, Z as in zoo. Mm-hmm. E as in Edward, D as in David, um, or we'll even just say ostracize, so drop the D. It means to exclude from a group by common consent. So this is if you're looking for, because um, as Jay alluded to earlier, a lot of the terms that start with the word black 
actually have a very racist connotation because the reason that black is being added to it is because of race, because of slavery and because of racism. So if you're wanting to um, kind of find a replacement for black bald, you can say ostracized Mm. or ostracized because it means the same thing to exclude from a group by common consent. Well, I mean, I feel like we need to ostracize Kanye West because he's out in these streams spreading words that are not the words. I love it. It's so, yes, it's of the moment. It is, it's it is ac- now. It's accurate it's for apropos. a change. Don't you know? Yes, it's, I love it. Oh, Bell. <laughs> well, we want to thank you for joining us on this messy little journey that we've been taking for the past couple of years. And we continue to take. And we just want to in, um, invite you mm, to join us in these social media streets. Um, we have a, a Facebook group that's called We Said Sound Off. That has been a lot of fun lots of engagement with people that we know and listeners so we um will join us bitch because it's a mess oh okay you're just gonna cut me off you gotta pee or something no okay yeah your motherfucking business so yeah join us hopefully i I want dinner hopefully i didn't use a vocal fry there oh my god feel personally attacked (laughs) (laughs) well kitty cat meow goodbye there kittens and cats (laughs) it's cats and kittens (laughs) we will talk to you next week Oh, 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 oh,